Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Nurse Podcast Unscripted. The Dr. Nurse Podcast Unscripted is a platform where I talk about things outside of your career that make you a well-rounded nurse. In this vein of the podcast, we'll be talking about all things motherhood, finances, health and wellness. The whole purpose of this of this platform is to make sure that you guys are a well-rounded nurse. You're more than just your career. And in order to have a successful career, it's important for you to also be well in the other areas of your life. This is the vein of the podcast where I really like to showcase other professionals and experts so that you guys can walk away as a well-rounded and well-scripted nurse. Sit back and enjoy the episode today. Dr. Nurse Podcast fam, welcome to another episode of the Dr. Nurse Podcast. My name is Sandra Pagenta. And I am the host of the Dr. Nurse Podcast. Today we have on Austin England. He is a financial consultant. He's been a financial consultant for the company called Mill Creek. He's been doing that with this company for about four years. Is that correct? Yeah, I've been in the business for 17 years and partnered with Mill Creek about four or five years. You've been doing this a long time. And what you really specialize in, Austin, and why I wanted to have you on the podcast today is you work with a lot of healthcare professionals, nurses, doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs. And you help them make the right financial moves for their careers because you really feel like in order to make an impact in someone's life, you really need good financial planning. And especially in the medical field, having an advisor to help you navigate the unique areas and the unique risk associated with our profession, it's good to have someone that really understands exactly what they're doing. So thanks for coming on today to chat with my audience. Yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. And whenever you're not working, you enjoy spending time with your wife and your children, Raquel, and you've got Aiden, Audrey, and Anderson. Did I I nail it? And you like to golf, hunt, fish, woodwork, anything being outside. That's what you enjoy doing. So again, you're a person above everything else. So that's really, really cool. So let's dive right in. So one of the the themes for today's podcast episode and some of the things I wanted to really tailor for my guests or my audience is common questions for financial experts from, you know, common questions that you might have for a financial expert, as well as one of the things that I've been kind of recently focusing in on in my podcast, side hustles and creating side income streams. And how does that really help you to create a business for yourself? So let's start there. I mean, I started a a side hustle and been making money from this kind of the side income stream. So what is the benefit of starting a side hustle outside of making extra money? Yeah, that normally that's the underlying theme as to why people do it is to make extra money, but also it could be, you know, pursuing a a passion that sounds, you know, like you and your podcast. And also there can be tax, you know, tax benefits as well as time freedom, scheduling and so forth that, that we find that a lot of, you know, medical professionals do in their side businesses, whether it's, uh, you know, a dermatology PA doing the the creams, Rodan and Fields, or, you know, whatever they, they may be doing on the side and making money doing that. They can do it, you know, on the weekends or night or whatever they like to. Also, you can, by having typically 1099 income, it allows you to deduct expenses that are everyday things that you might be doing anyway that are not deductible as a W-2 employee. So those are some of the reasons that we see people do, you know, side hustles or or just contract work that's outside of their W-2. It may be doing the same thing they, they do as an employee, but they may do it at a different 
you know, hospital or what Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I found when I was doing my taxes this year was that I was scraping for stuff to find. I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta buy a computer before the end of the year. I gotta start buying stuff. I gotta spend this money because I think a lot of nurse practitioners and PAs don't quite realize the financial aspect behind things. We were just taught how to be nurses and how to care for people. And then the side of how to care for ourselves, making sure that we're not broken and burned out by the end of our careers and we have nothing financially planned for ourselves has been something that I've been a lot more interested in as time has gone on. And so I was kind of thinking as I was, I was as I was exploring really what it is that the side hustle LLC starting your own business does for you. I was very surprised to learn that no, you can actually take the things that you would normally buy for yourself: scrubs, lab coats, you know, all these different things, which you could do when you were, you know, when you were a W two employee. But even more so when you own your own business, these are things like my computer, my 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 microphone. These are all things that I was able to tax the dogs, and it did take a little bit off my, you know income. And that's one of the things that I've been finding as well. And maybe you can expand upon this. You know, are you hear about all the news, like people taking these tax write-offs and people aren't paying their fair share of taxes and all these different things. But is there a way, is there a way to legally shelter or I guess, yeah, shelter your income from getting hit with so much income taxes? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times, you know, like, just like you're doing for your podcast, you can deduct the proportionate or proportional space that you're using for home office. Now you can't have the baby bed in there and, you know, the ping pong table and all that stuff. It has to be dedicated space, but you can deduct that percentage of, you know, whether it's homeowner's insurance or utility bills, obviously your cell phone, you could deduct most of it if you're using it for business, which most people do. You know, retirement plan, you could potentially set up a retirement plan specifically for the income that you make from your side muscle, where in addition to potentially a 401k plan that you may have provided, you know, by your employer. So those are things and those are ways to reduce your taxable income that you may not be able to do if you don't have a, you know, a side hustle, as you, you call it. And, yeah. and you said something earlier, which is not really necessarily tax related, but something earlier that I learned working with physicians and I know a lot of them, you know, they get online and they say, well, I read this or I read that and, you know, and we can confuse ourselves. And what I always tell the physicians or, you know, medical professionals that I've worked with, I, I say, you know, one time I didn't feel well and I didn't want to go sit in the doctor's office for two hours. So I got on WebMD. Well, by the time I got off, I had every ailment known to me. And I was going to bed like a week, so I didn't need to go to the doctor. So I know, you know I don't diagnose my own medical conditions, and most people should not diagnose their own financial, you know, things, you know, or opportunities or issues or what have you. Also, it's not, you know, there are some people that really enjoy, you know, doing finances and things. And but I was going driving through at a coffee shop the other day and. It's a pretty interesting concept. They play really upbeat music, gets you awake in the morning. And they train the people, you know, these young people that work there to, you know, try to relate to you, ask you what you're doing, you know, how your day is going, where are you going? And normally I go through there after the gym, so I'm sweaty and, you know, wearing a hat or what have you. And they said, well, where, where are you doing today? And I said, well, I'm going to work. And they said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm in finance. 
And they said, oh, that sounds interesting. They're, you know, they're 17 years old. I said, no, it does. What? Now I'm in 17, right? And it's important. You know, and I, I love it, you know, but just like what you, you know, what you're doing as a nerve practitioner, it's not, it's, it's not interesting to me. You know, so it's important, right? But, you know, we're, you know, I'm going to give somebody a shot. Oh, that's yeah. great. I, that's nice. That's kind of gross. That didn't do it. That didn't do it. That's why old, and that's what makes the room. So, what is some of the things that you find in your your practice as a financial consultant that you really would like for a nurse practitioner or a PA? No, again, I didn't. I didn't send you this question, but I was just thinking mm-hmm. as you were talking because you've got so much experience leading them in their careers. What's one thing that you notice that all of them are kind of missing? Like, you know, as I've been doing this podcast, you find themes. Themes in life mm-hmm. show up, and so I was thinking like. I wonder if any themes have shown up in the time that you've been a financial consultant for mostly nurses, doctors, and pays. Like, what is it that you've been seeing? Is like they are really missing the boat on this. Yeah, I, what I find is that oftentimes, and a lot of it's just what they hear. You know, get out of debt, pay off your student loans. You know, lack of lack of financial education really is what it is. Just like I have a lack of medical knowledge, right? And that's why I was thoroughly confused when I got on WebMD, right? Same. And and what what I feel like that we find is that people are doing things that are important, but they're not prioritizing them correctly. That makes sense. So they're they're not they're they're like doing things out of order. It's kind of like we get dressed in a, a certain way, right? We don't put on our pants and then put on our underwear. Hopefully, yeah. Um, Unless you have toddlers, then you already know that that's how you don't say they have clothes on at all. That name, yeah. But it, you know. What we find is that people don't really, they're unintended consequences. They have, you know, the best of intentions, but they're just kind of not doing it in the right order, if that makes sense. So what do you feel like is the right order? If you had to like tell, you know, run-of-the-mill nurse practitioner that's starting yeah. off, like you need to, I'll, I'll you, you do like debt snowball, like Dave, Dave Rams that you think like going to yeah. get out of debt, then I can start to save for the future. Then, you know, these different things that it, you might think. Yeah, and all those things are great, but but even like with you know nothing against Dave Ramsey, and I think a lot of the stuff that he says is great, you know, for his audience. But but really, you know, it's probably the opposite order that people should be doing that. They should be obviously you have to pay your bills, but you want to make sure that you're saving for an emergency or an opportunity prior to you know put put you and your family first, not Visa or American Express, right? So. And, and oftentimes that's kind of what that, it, it sounds logical, but in practice it's really not ideal because typically bad things happen when you don't have any money, right? So what, you know, what we recommend is, is one, you know, addressing or planning for protecting against what may happen today, right? And then plan for what might happen five years from now, 20 years from now, whatever. And I'll give you an example. I could probably be retired right now. If, if I had a hundred dollars for every client that had a baby that called us and said, Hey, we need to set up a college plan, a 529 plan or whatever it might be, college savings for, you know, the, this new baby. And I say, well, you know, planning for college is great. And I'm sure that your baby's probably the smartest six month old baby that's ever, you know, ever been born, right? They all, all of them, but what's the likelihood that that baby's going to go to college in the next five years? Zero, right? In most cases. Well, what's the likelihood that either something bad may happen where you need 
money for emergency or, or something great may have you know, an opportunity for a side hustle or investing in a, a business or, you know, what it real estate or whatever it may be, where you may need that money that was then that was tied up in the, the college plan that they can't touch for 13 more years any, right? So, and, and one of the things that we want to, you know, we make sure with, in our practice is that people are adequately protected. We spend a lot of time talking about protection. We live in a very litigious society now. Every commercial on TV or every billboard that you pass is some kind of personal injury, you know, firm, and they're important. They play their role. But we want to make sure, you know, that we are we have adequate, you know, liability limits on our car and home, you know, umbrella policies. And, and obviously, you know, depending on what you're doing in your side hospital, liability insurance for that, right? Especially because your malpractice most of the time, and I'm not an attorney, and this is not to be construed as legal advice or tax advice, but most of the time, your malpractice insurance through your employer is not going to cover 1099 work. So you want to make sure that you, you know, that you have that or at least consult with your HR, wherever you are, find out what it does, it doesn't cover or have your, you know, hire an attorney, pay them you know, three hundred dollars or whatever they charge an hour, it'll be mighty well spent to make sure that you're doing those things. Because we feel, speaking of malpractice, we feel it'd be malpractice on your part if we came here and said, "Well, let us help you with this, you know, X, Y, Z investment or retirement plan or college fund or what have you," and something bad happens and you get sued and it's all gone, right? Wow. So, so we want to make that's kind of what I was talking about getting dressed financially. We want to make sure that we protect against what could happen today and then plan for what you know we hope to happen in the future so so what I, i'm hearing what, from what you're saying is you kind of help set up the menu and in what way to order the things that you need to order off the menu right so yeah. like yes i hear that you want to order dessert which is having a college fund for your kids but you really need to make sure you start with the appetizer main course get your sides and then you can worry about these other things down the line because, again, yeah. you're right. You, if you're putting kind of the cart before, before the horse if you're not yeah. eating some things in the right. Yeah, yeah if you're not it's eating those. Not water. Right? Yeah, like you're not doing the right things that you need to do. What you're going to end up doing is you're going to be putting money in the wrong places and you're not going to be setting yourself up for success. Because if you're in the right spots, it all makes sense whenever you go ahead and, and move forward with that next thing you want to invest in or whatever. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. We don't know these things because we aren't financial we're not trained financially we're not trained in our schooling at all like we just know how to give injections and help patients out and take care of them and so you do need someone in your corner kind of helping you cherry pick what you need to be focusing in on at that current time and i think that's super wise and one thing you had said when you were talking was about insurance and disability insurance is something that you and i wanted to chat briefly about too because i know some of the things that you've heard and I've thought about this too. My job doesn't offer short-term disability, I'm sorry, long-term disability, but it's something that I think is important just because again, if you were to hurt your hands and you work with your hands, like I've heard that surgeons and, and healthcare providers, I mean, nurse practitioners get trained to, to bedside assist and do these different procedures in your hands, like you need them. And I remember I had surgery on my shoulder and they were like, oh, okay, so we're going to do a nerve block on your hands. You won't be able to feel your arm. And you know, there's some risk of this and this and that. And I was like, Okay, so I need to work with my hands. There can be no risk to yeah. the nerves in my hands, you know? So I was like, I'm going to go without the nerve block. I regretted it the moment I woke up from surgery. But in the moment, I was like, no, 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 yeah. pass. 
So, so yeah, tell me a little bit about disability insurance. I feel like that's just like one of the things on the menu you can kind of choose. Yeah, and, and, it's not, and that's part of the, that whole protection component. It's one of those things that is not important until it's important, right? But one of the things, and it's not a trick question, but I ask this in every like protection meeting that we're having with a client, and most of them, including myself, this would hold true for, but what we use a web-based model that kind of, you see everything at one time, kind of like their whole financial situations on one screen. Oh, wow. And, and I, and I even tell them, I say, look, I've been doing this for 17 years. It's not a trick question, but if we were to look at your model and choose your most, your single most valuable asset, what would that be? And normally they're going to say my retirement account, my house, my or, you know, whatever, or, you know, a resident, it might be their iPad, you know, because they don't have any, yeah, but, uh, but the reality is for most people, it's their ability to work, right? Their income is their most valuable asset because everything that we're ever going to have in the future, barring inheritance or winning the lot, you know, some sort of windfall is going to be dependent on that consistent income coming in, right? And if that income were to stop, it wouldn't be long before most people will be in trouble, right? And that's one of the other reasons that we talk, we really harp on save first, then worry about paying off debt or doing, you know, other things to make sure that you have, you know, at minimum three months and, you know, ideally six months to a year worth of expenses saved, okay? For emergencies, opportunities, not to mention that most disability plans, even if they're through your employer, don't kick in for three to six months. So you want to make sure that you have that covered. And then, you know, as far as disability insurance, there are many, you know, iterations of disability insurance. But if you're looking, if you're in the marketplace for it, you don't have it through your employer or a lot of employers, it, it's a percentage of your income to a certain cap. Well, a lot of nurse practitioners are making more above that cap, right? So yeah. you still have gap and pay and and the more we make, the more we spend. Money's like air, takes up as much space as you, you leisure. And so you want to look, you know, if you're looking for in the marketplace for disability insurance, you want to look for a policy that is what's called non-cancelable, guaranteed renewable. And what that means is you could always cancel it, but the insurance company can never cancel it, nor could they change the premium or any of the provisions of the policy. So they couldn't say, Hey, we saw Austin, he wasn't looking too good. We're going to raise his rent, right? Uh, where with your car insurance, you go get five speeding tickets, they can drop. Yeah. You also want a policy that pays based on what's called an own occupation definition of disability. So if you, yeah. versus an any occupation definition of disability, and what I mean by that is an any occupation disability definition of disability says you have to be unable to do anything for which you are suited based on education, training, and experience, or we're not going to pay. Okay. So if you could go do, so if you could teach, you know, nurse practitioner school, but you can't, they're going to potentially not consider you disabled where with an own occupation definition of disability, if you're unable to do your job, disabled, even if you can and choose to do something else and make money doing something. Yeah, no, it's, that's a really good thing to think about. Your example, you know, heaven forbid you had the nerve block, your arm never woke up, right? You could still do this podcast, right? You can still make money doing this podcast, 
but you can't do your job, which is be a nurse practitioner. So those are things that we really, you know, want to make sure people understand because it is a, a legal contract that's protecting most people's most valuable assets, right? Yeah. And, and what we find was funny, and this is kind of being facetious, but we buy the, you know, we buy the insurance on the toaster, but we don't insure, you know, our most valuable asset, right? Or, or we buy the insurance on the, the $400 TV, but we're not insuring our, you know, millions of dollars of earnings future. Yeah. So I hear you. And that's kind of the recipe that you're cooking up is, all right, save for your family, take care of yourself first, get three to six months in a, you know, savings account so that you can float yourself, God forbid something happened. And then you recommend that your client then pursue 401ks, you know, Roth versus IRA. There's all these different accounts that are, yeah. you know, they just overwhelm you whenever you start thinking about Roth. Yeah, numbers and yeah. Yes. Hey guys, hate to interrupt the conversation, but I need to remind you guys to check out the Success NP Etsy shop. It's an Etsy shop that I created with my best friend and we create a ton of digital products for nurse practitioners, merch, all the different things to keep you going in your NP career. We noticed that there was just a lack of content for nurse practitioners out there. So we decided to go create it. So check it out. I have it linked in the show notes. And be sure to support us because, again, you're supporting small nurse business owners. We would love to have you guys check out our merch or refer our shop to someone who you think would enjoy the content. If you guys are liking this podcast, please give me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Any love that you throw at me helps keep my audience engaged, keeps people coming to check out what we're creating here. Thanks for being a part of our community and consuming the content on my podcast and let's get back to the conversation and you know some you can take now some you can't ever take you get hit bad with taxes when you're putting this stuff you know when you try to pull the money out if people do that then there's just a lot of different things and so you kind of work with your clients to explain what all the different things are but you had said something earlier about side hustle money and when you're a self-employed person I know that there is a separate account, which is different than the Roth and the traditional accounts for retirement. What is that called? Yeah, it's called, a. there are a few different versions, but the one that's most common that you see most often is called a SEP IRA. And you're able to basically defer, you know, a certain percentage of your income up to a, a limit of that side hustle money. In addition to, you know, form one case, we, we have a lot of, provide, you know, medical providers that may moonlight and they're able to take that moonlighting 10, as long as it's 1099, they're able to take that moonlighting income that may be paid to their LLC and could put, you know, five, 10, $50,000, depending on how much money they make. I, I think the cap is around 60,000 or so, but it's a percentage of your income. So you couldn't just, if you made 60, you couldn't just go. Put oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got but it. Yeah. It's a percentage to a cap. Um, but I wouldn't get real hung up on the caps. We could you know, talk about those as pe people have questions. But, but, but yeah, you can put a percentage of that side hustle income for profit. It's really more kind of price has to be profitable to be able to do it. But of the profit you could put into that SEP IRA and kind of accelerate, you know, your retirement in addition to whatever you may have provided through your employer. That's fantastic to just again accelerate. And if for SEP IRAs, are they taxable? Are they taxed whenever you take the money out or they get, you get hit with tax? 
It's a pre-tax deduction, pre-tax. Uh, gross tax deferred, and then it's taxable whenever you take it out. Now, you can convert SEP dollars to Roth dollars. So you could do a Roth conversion down the road where effectively you're putting it in the SEP and then eventually you're, you could convert it, pay the taxes on it that, at that time. Yeah. But then all of the growth is tax-free. Yeah. So in a market like we've had recently where the market's down, it could be an opportunity. Again, this is not tax advice, but it could be an opportunity for Roth conversions where you're basically converting, you know, dollars that are, you know, down 20%, where when it does rebound, you're getting that growth tax-free. Oh, um, that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Presently, no Roth, presently Roth IRAs, 401ks, et cetera, do not have what's called a required minimum distribution. Now, I would imagine most of your audience is probably younger, so they don't think about that. And again, like I said, it's not important to support it, but we do have retired providers that are 75 years old and they're like, you're telling me I have to take this money out of my IRA, whether I want to or not. If I don't, I penalize 50% on what I'm supposed to take it, where with the Roth, with the Roth, there is no required minimum distribution. And it goes, you know, past tax free to family or, you know, what have you. So it is a, you know, it's a good vehicle and they all have their, you know, they all have their place. And, and what we, what we do in our, in our practice is we tell clients, you know, there's money and there's math and money's not math. We make decisions with money that mathematically make zero sense, right? Knowingly, mo- knowingly most of the time, well, what we find is that most people make decisions without all the facts. They do it because their uncle did it and it worked okay for them or their HR person at work told them to do it or, or they read it on the internet, right? Everything on the internet's true. So, so our goal is to really give them the math and the facts and they put their own emotional thoughts and beliefs with it. Whatever they decide is fine with us. But, but what, you know, what our goal is just to kind of explain, because everyone's situation is different. And, and you hear in our practice, we, we say it depends a lot because everyone's situation is different. Yeah. I had two. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that, that was. That was it. I was going to say I had two questions based on what you had said. My first being, as you were talking, I was like, okay. So do you need to be in some financial position in order to reach out to a financial consultant? Like, do you have to have all your ducks in a row? Should I not even come talk to you until I have three to six months saved up? (laughs) Like, what is the point? When should I get in the door with a financial consultant? And then if and when I look for one, what am I looking for? So those are the kind of the the two-part questions. Good good question. So so the sooner the better, right? It's kind of like, when should I start exercising? Yeah. You know, when should I get a checkup? It's like last year when, yeah, yeah. 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 When should I start eating healthy? When should I, you know, there are, you know, certain advisors that will only take, you know, certain levels of clientele. Our team is large enough that we're equipped to really work with anyone wherever, kind of meet them where they are for lack of a better term. We also do a lot of financial education and residency programs. We're located, I live in Southern Georgia, but we're located our, most of our advisors are in Florida, and we work a lot with University of Florida, University of Central Florida, medical residents, who, as I mentioned before, typically are not rolling in dough, right? Yeah. So we kind of start with them, help them make, you know, those some of those kind of basic decisions, get them on the right path. And, it, and it's actually easier to to do, you know, to do that. than it just like it's easier to teach a five-year-old how to read than it would be a 40-year-old how to read it. Than they not they yeah. didn't know how 
or swim or whatever. A lot of other, you know, a lot of other things that we learn typically when we're younger. Yeah, like a foreign uh, language. It's easier to teach yeah. a kid a foreign language than it is an older person because they're set in their ways. Yeah, yeah. it's debatable if I could even speak English, but the, so the uh, but but it's uh, you know it, it's one of those things that you know the sooner the better. Find someone you trust that you you know like relate to. But I, I would say you know the biggest thing is, and it, to your point earlier, what you know what should you look for? You know. Like I said, someone that, that you feel comfortable with, that you relate to, because it is a, you know, it's a long-term relationship if it's the right one, right? And I have clients that I you know, had for 17 years, you know, so, and hopefully I'll have another, for another 17 years. And, you know, so that, that would be, obviously they, you know, they have to be competent at what they're, you know, what they're doing, but it's just like, if, you know, if I'm going to have open heart surgery, I don't care if I like the surgery or not. Right, because I'm only going to see them, you know, I'm not probably going to sleep, you know, but what you just want them to be able to do the procedure, right? You better be able to, you better be the best sword surgeon I've ever seen. Care, mice or not, or any, it doesn't matter. But now some people, you know, they may be like, oh, well, they didn't have good bad side matter. I could care less. But, you know, well, if it's an actual advisor, you want them to have, you know, a good bad side matter. You want to want meet with them. You want to, feel comfortable calling them either with things when things are going right or when things aren't going you know, and, and you want to be comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations because it is, you know, you to, to get the best job, you know, or the best outcome for you as a client, you do have to kind of get, you know, undressed financially and talk about things that aren't, aren't comfortable. Yeah. So one of the things I was always told was to make sure that somebody was a fiduciary. So whenever yep. you're looking for someone to give advice and to help you along your financial journey as someone that's a fiduciary, meaning that they are obligated to be honest and that they have taken some type. I don't know if this is true. Like, you know, we take the Hippocratic oath that we're not going to do any harm. You know, these things are things that you're looking at because people can be predatory. I mean, when you've got money and you've got people that can benefit from your money, you kind of start to look at people with like, hey, are you really looking out for me? Or are you looking out for you? So, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've always been told when looking out for someone to help me with my finances has been make sure they are fiduciary, that they are obligated to look out for the client's best interests. Is that something that you guys are? Yeah. So every, everyone in our office has the, the, it's called a series 66 license. And I wanted to ask one more question selfishly. So I, I tell myself one day when my podcast is so big, I'm like Joe Rogan, I'm making all this money for my podcast. I want to hire my son. I told him because he said, mom, I want to come on your podcast. He's four, yeah. almost four in July. And so I'm like, okay. And then I was like, Benji, one day when your mama is making Joe Rogan money from her podcast, I want you to come on. I want to hire you as my, you know, my whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. So is that one thing I've heard? I've seen it in the news. People talk about hiring. I mean, I've seen it on like Instagram. Like, this is a great way to like take some of your money. You can hire your kid. Like, is that true? Is that like, is that just an Instagram, like TikTok what? challenge? Yeah. What, what, what is it? It's like everything else that you see. You, all, you probably have to, you know, take it in moderation, but. Yes, you you can, and it's le this legitimate thing. You can't hire your children. They do have to have a legitimate, you know, job. And and your son could be. Was that was that him that we heard like reading to us on the? Okay, so he could be your 
you know, before we walked in, we heard, we said, that's got to be our child. So, it, it, you know, it could be in your, you know, free podcast liaison or, you know, whatever. Yeah. No, he's on the podcast. He said that on the end, he goes, this is mama's podcast. Thanks for listening. It's so cute. You know, there, there's a local radio station here where one of the guys owns the station side, does the Pledge of Allegiance at noon oh. every day. You know, and he's probably four or five years old. You know, so cute. Paying or not, but but basically, you can't you can't pay your children. They have to be. You know, if you if you owned a you know a plumbing company, you couldn't substantiate hiring a four year old, right? But for a podcast, maybe. Or yeah. like, say if you had your own practice, like I've, I know some dentists personally that they pay their children because they're on their, they're on their advertising or they're on their billboard, you know, for the dentistry and it's their children and they've got their picture of all it. So they're like models of advertising. So, yeah. And then it has to be reasonable. You know, I mean, you can't pay, you know, a million dollars, a hundred dollars an hour to, you know, or whatever, but yeah. But yeah, so you can you can basically pay them, and again, this is not tax advice. Please consult with your tax advisor. But yeah, if you if you have a side hustle, ten ninety nine income, you can pay your children, and you can actually pay them up to the standard deduction, which is about thirteen thousand dollars ish. The only thing they would have to pay is the payroll tax. They wouldn't owe any income tax because it's all deductible under the standard deduction and. And they would be fully tax deductible to you. So, so as the employer, so so there can be some tax arbitrage there. And then a lot of times people will, you know, the kids have to have their own account, and they can put money in Roth IRA if they want to. They can pay for their own, you know, tennis lessons or ballet or whatever it might be. And there are things that you would pay for anyway, right? Yeah. But it's just a more. It can be a more tax efficient way to do it. Yeah. Uh, not for everyone and make sure you, like I said, it's reasonable and you consult with your account before you give it. Yeah. Uh, that's so cool. Legitimate thing and people can do it. That is so neat. Again, like I said, I didn't know about that. And again, I, it's just something that I've always been like, oh man, one day kid, one day. And I definitely wanted to ask your advice. Of it. And again, good job. You should, you should pay him. So. And give him a raise too. I mean, that poor kid. So one of the things we were, I was thinking as you were talking was just creating general, you know, generational wealth. And it is something that I think a lot of different ethnic groups, different people haven't had the exposure to. And so I really think it even behooves them even more to find people to help them. You know, I have a lot of African-American women that listen to my podcast and it's like, no, you need one of these. This isn't just for white people. This isn't just for yeah. anyone. This is for everybody. Everybody needs financial advice. Everyone needs somebody in their corner helping them make the right decisions. Because like you said, there are some family members that did do it and they know what to do and they can give you advice. And then there's some families that have never seen the kind of money that a nurse practitioner, a physician that have, they've never seen that kind of money in their family structure. And so they don't know what to do with it. And so again, I definitely think that financial advice is for everyone. And that is how you create generational wealth is by getting the education and having somebody that you can ask questions from, that you can say, hey, I don't understand this, explain it to me. Because just like you said, that relationship you need with someone as a financial advisor, you've gotta be able to come up underneath them. And I, I hate when people give me the answer of, you don't need to know this. Well, why don't I need to know it? You need to explain it because you're not explaining it. And so that's that's the stuff that I think 
as a financial advisor is another thing that you want to be looking for is the humbleness and the meekness to just go, hey, let me explain this to you because I understand it really, really well. And I'm going to explain it in a way that you can walk out of here and not be confused about what you're putting your money into, what you're putting your time into, what we are investing in, because this is your money and this is your future. And I'm just here to help you. And I'm supposed to be your translator in that's what we expect from our doctors and our nurses, that they're supposed to be there to to give us and explain to us what's going on in, in the medical field and the medical world. So I just wanted to add that as you were talking. I was like, I think that's another thing that's really important is yeah, I, that they just I can't. Better. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. And, and it does boil down to education and, and it, it boils down to taking something that's very complicated or can be very complicated or is not you know, mainstream or what have you, and being able to explain it to a four-year-old and them understand it at least at a high level, you know, and, and it did, you know, you do want to make, work with someone that doesn't try to talk over your, or prove to, you know, how smart they are or what, whatever, like you said, somebody that, that you feel, you know, is, is certainly competent and confident in what they do, but not there. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with you. So. I think that's a really good place to end it. I think we're going to do rapid fire if you're all right. And I wanted to give you a chance to do a disclaimer. So I know that this is a lot of financial advice, a lot of tax stuff. So why don't we throw in a disclaimer right here just for anyone that's like, all right, Austin, you know, just let's just put yeah, it Austin to bed right now. Listen, it didn't work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, so every, as I mentioned earlier, everyone's situation is different. Some of the things that we've talked about in this podcast may be extremely appropriate for you. Some of these may be extremely inappropriate for you. So make sure that you're getting, you know, personalized advice for your situation. And please don't construe any of this as legal or tax advice because I'm not a CPA nor am I an attorney. So you've been warned. Do it at your own risk. I got it. And then for the last part is the rapid fire questions. So I know that you're a hunter. So what's your favorite game to hunt? I'm not, and hopefully this doesn't offend anyone, but <laughs> I like, I like to bird hunt. So I like bird to hunt. wing, wing shoot, I guess is a technical. So duck hunting, pheasant, pheasant hunting. Okay. So duck, like duck, duck dynasty type stuff. Yeah. I need a longer beard. But... So I was watching something on Netflix, I think, or maybe YouTube. These people that call like elk hunting, I think it was, yeah. I think it's elk hunting yeah. and they have these bugling. Yes, they have these things. It was, I'm serious. I watched it for probably an hour and a half. It was so interesting. And I was like, there's all these scopes and they have to spray all these like stints in the air. I was like, oh, these people are legit. Like, this is really yeah. cool. So I just yeah. wanted to ask you what you were into. Yeah, so and, I, I, I prefer bird hunting. Like uh, last year we went to, actually two of my business partners and I were, were friends outside of work. We actually went to North and South Dakota pheasant hunting in last fall and it was fun one day we walked 10 miles through hills and going for holes and everything else but it was fun so that that's the kind of hunting i primarily like primarily enjoy doing and i like to fish interesting peasants interesting so the other question i wanted to ask you was if you had to give a financial book to somebody what would it be would you say like this is the best book you can read on finances there, are, I would say there are two, that, and one of them's a pretty old book, but I think it's a good one, and it's called Unintended Consequences. There's also a book called The Wealthy Physician, that we feel like is a good book. 
Okay. And just pretty high level, not anything super complicated or in the weeds, but just, and but there, there are a lot of good ones out there, but I would say those are probably two of, you know, two of my, my favorite. And then, you know, there's something, you know, rich dad, poor dad, you know, those, those types of books are also good, but I would say, you know, like the wealthy physician is more geared to your, your audience. I think it's a pretty easy read. They could read it. They probably all read faster than I do, but they could probably read it in you know, three hours or so. Got it. Got it. Well, I was actually going to recommend the book. I don't know if you've read it. It's called The Prosperity Bible. I'm reading it right now. And I've heard of it. I have not read. Oh, it's so good. And it just, it's really, it's kind of an oldie, um, like an old time. It's like written for like an art and a time before, a time that's past. Yeah. So it talks a lot about the Vanderbilts and the Carnegies and like all these guys that just had crazy money and how they managed it and what they did. And I, another one that I really love is the millionaire next door. That's another yeah, one. That's really that's good. That's I should have mentioned that. That's a good one. No, that one's another one that I love. I could literally, I should read it every year. I mean, it's one of those things that I should just be. What, most, most of the people that have money, you would never know. Exactly. No, exactly. My, my parents grew up that way. And one of the things that I remember is that my dad, he bought one year, all of his cars, you know, not nice cars. I mean, these are just like cars for all his kids. And he never bought himself a car and he was driving, he was a director level at a fortune 500 company. And this man was driving like this, like old car, but you would never believe it. He bought every member of his family a vehicle, but himself. And so yeah. he just showed me that growing up that, you know, honestly, it's not about you. It's not about looking flashy people that were underneath him that he managed had nicer cars yeah. than he did. And so, yeah, it was a, a great way to to look at life and to see that and just realize that, uh, yeah, just be quiet about what you got. And that'll that, that'll be the biggest surprise. The people that die, they were janitors and they have a million dollars in the bank. Oh, yeah. Or the, the CEO's secretary that just watched the stocks that they bought and did the same thing. And they, they yeah, yeah, very wealthy people. Yeah. So, well, I would definitely, you know, that Millionaire Next Door is also a great book. Our, actually, one of our colleagues, Seven Welts wrote a book specific to disability insurance, which is take something that's not fun or, you know, sexy, but it, it breaks it down and, and kind of talks in more depth, kind of the, what I talked about earlier, what to look for, you know, all those types of things. Excellent. Well, if you give me the title of that book, I'll link it in the show notes yeah. so people can yeah, get it and they can more. check it out. Yeah, that's really cool. And then for the last question, what are you most grateful for in the whole world? My family and the relationship just really just the relationship. I mean, like my family first and then just the relationships I have in my life. I, I feel very blessed to have the friends that I have and the work colleagues that I have. And just, I, I just feel very fortunate because I know a lot of people don't. Have. Yeah. It's the stuff money can't buy, right? The relationships. Oh, yeah. and, and, and that's what I tell people. And there is, is seems very contrary, but I, I'll be the first to tell you there's a lot more to life than money. And, and my kids, you know, we, they don't remember, they don't care about, you know, we don't do it, but they don't care about sitting around the fireplace, looking at my 401k state, you know, it's just not, you know, that's not what they what, what side, you know, yeah. so, same with their uh, dad. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've got one graduating tomorrow from high school. So, oh my gosh, it goes fast, that. right? Got one finished third grade. We had his program yesterday, my daughter. Finishes fifth grade and she's going to middle school. So we've got that program in the morning and then we've got a graduation from high school. 
off to college tomorrow night. And, uh, oh my goodness. Drink there before you know it. <laughs> what a blessing. What a blessing. Well, again, thank you for your time, Austin. Thanks for your expertise yeah, and your knowledge and sharing what we need to know. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Cedric. Uh, Hope you have a good rest of the day and we'll be in touch. All righty. Take care. Hey, my mama, Papa. I love you, mama. And thanks for waiting me. So that's a wrap. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and leave me a review. If you like the show, I would love to get five stars. The Dr. Nurse podcast is on the World Wide Web, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, and TikTok. Subscribe to my newsletter for updates on new podcast episodes and other information to help you on your own nursing journey. You can always message me at the Dr. Nurse podcast at gmail.com with any career professions that you are interested in hearing about. And just a friendly reminder, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only, and the information should not be used in substitute for professional care by a medical provider. The information in this podcast does not represent medical or professional advice or services.